This is the Sports and Entertainment Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on MarketScale. Building your brand is not around your product, so your team and your players, but you build your brand around truly this experience and this community. And we aren't in the baseball business. We are in the entertainment business, the experience business, and most importantly, the people business. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and we have a great show lined up for you today, especially just with all of the current events going on in the world of sports. Just taking a dive into a couple of those is really exciting. We're not going to talk about Zion Williams' shoe, although we might do that in a future episode. Uh, also today, as I record this, is the 39th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, something that I wasn't alive for, but is also a notable moment in the United States' sports history. Also a notable moment in the career of Al Mike as well. So lots of sports stuff to get into today, but we're going to focus mainly in on two topics in the B2B world of sports and entertainment. The first of which is going to be an interview with Kendra Pettis, and she's the sports and tourism director for the city of Surprise, Arizona. And I'm excited to talk to her as spring training really kicks off in the Cactus League as well as the Grapefruit League in Major League Baseball. And we're going to discuss just how much spring training means to a city like Surprise, Arizona, how much it means to the local economy to have people flood into the city every year to cover spring training, to attend spring training, to go to games. A lot of people come from out of town to go visit and to be able to see their favorite teams get ready for the Major League Baseball season. And so we're going to talk to Kendra today just about the impact that that has on Surprise, Arizona. That's going to be our first feature on the show this week. For our second feature, we're going to dive in once again with Brown Pelican Wi-Fi. And this time last week, they were preparing to help provide Wi-Fi for one of the drivers in the truck series out at Daytona International Speedway ahead of the Daytona 500. And this week, we're going to hear about that experience and learn a little bit more about what they did and some of the unique challenges that are presented by providing Wi-Fi at a racetrack. You know, how does that compare to providing Wi-Fi for a festival that's in the desert or on the side of a mountain or something like that? So it's a really unique experience, and we're going to get to dive into that with the CEO of Brown Pelican Wi-Fi, Mary Beth Hall. She does a great job of just explaining how they're able to do what they do and what challenges are presented by a racetrack and also uh, just some of the sights and sounds from that day. It sounds like it was a really incredible time, so can't wait to learn more about that with her here coming up as the second feature on today's show. Like I mentioned, really excited to bring you today's show. So without further ado, let's dive in. My first interview is with Kendra Pettis, the Director of Sports and Tourism for the City of Surprise, Arizona. Here coming up next on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. All right, joining me now on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast is Kendra Pettis. She's the Sports and Tourism Director for the City of Surprise, Arizona. Kendra, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Surprise Arizona is where the Texas Rangers and Kansas City Royals go every year for spring training. And so uh, with the Texas Rangers being a local team here for me anyways, I wanted to just uh, talk to Kendra and also just get a sense of what some of the impacts are uh, for spring training as it kicks off every year on cities like Surprise. And so Kendra, I just wanted to start off by asking how many visitors come to Surprise every year during spring training? So we typically get about 200,000 fans each year during spring training, and usually about 60% of them are out-of-state visitors. 
That's a pretty incredible number. Uh, d- does it have an impact? I'm sure it has to on, on the local economy when it comes to uh, just money that's spent in Surprise Arizona every year. It does. You know, it's great for the entire state. The The Cactus League as a whole last year had an economic impact of more than $644 million um, for the state of Arizona. And so um, not just for the Phoenix metro area and all the communities that have spring training, but it really is a, an economic impact for our entire state. So um, for Surprise specifically, our hotels are full, our local restaurants and retailers benefit from the influx of visitors each year. Um, March is the highest month for like our hotel sales tax, our restaurant bar taxes, and then overall for sales tax, it's one of our highest months as well. So um, for us, that's really exciting. A significant portion of those sales tax dollars go back into the general fund to support citywide services. So police, fire, parks, roads, all those types of things. Um, It really benefits the entire community. Absolutely. Now, how does the how you know how does the hotel and restaurant industry kind of prepare for that influx of guests? Do you have any idea of whether or not they hire uh, seasonal employees and that sort of thing just to kind of help with, um, I suppose, kind of the influx of people into Surprise around this time every year, end of February into March? Yeah. So we work with our hotel and restaurant partners um, all the time, but especially during spring training, and and they love this time of year. They look forward to it every year. Um, some of them hire additional staff. Some of them schedule more during the peak times, around game times and things like that. So um, they know it's a big season for our um, our visitors and, and they get really they get prepared and they get excited. Absolutely. Now, the the Rangers and Royals specifically are there at the facilities in Surprise, but obviously with the Cactus League, there are a lot of other teams around. But um, when it comes to the Rangers and Royals specifically, do you or does anybody there kind of follow the teams just to kind of know uh, how well they're doing and whether or not they're supposed to be good or bad? And does that at all affect the number of people that travel? Yeah, so, I mean, we love, you know, watching both of our home teams um, play during the, the regular season, and um, and we keep track of it, and we follow everything, and, and, it, and it obviously does have an impact. You know, we've, we've been lucky enough to have um, both teams be American League championships over the past decade or so, so the Rangers, I think, in 2010 and 2011, and then the Royals in uh, 14 and 15, with the Royals going on to win the World Series in 15, so that obviously can play um, a big portion of, you know, what we see for the following years. Um, So it's exciting to kind of follow the teams during the regular season. And we kind of know um, if there's going to be big players or a big season, um, we'll definitely see a little bit of an influx the following year. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, Those were some good times for me as a Rangers fan. Uh, I hope that they return sometime soon, but you know, that's a pretty nice little track record though, to have two teams. And then over the course of the last uh, you know, nine or so years, four of those seasons, uh, you know, you had a had a World Series representative that does uh, spring training there in Surprise, Arizona. That's a, that's a nice little track record there. I, something to put on the bulletin, maybe? Yeah, we're, we're definitely excited about that. And we're really proud of both the, the Rangers and the Royals. And, and they're really great partners to us. So it's exciting to, you know, see them out here during spring training. And when they have a really great year, that excitement just kind of carries over. 
Now, do you try at all, I, I suppose, to kind of turn the momentum from spring training into a year-round thing, whether it's encouraging guests to come back or something along those lines to try to kind of keep that momentum going? Because obviously there's going to be peak times for any destination where people travel on a regular basis. But ideally, you'd like to maybe continue that a, a little bit more year-round. Is that something that you've, you've really worked to maintain? We do. So actually, our department is about a year and a half old, and that's one of our main goals is to um, to kind of increase that year-round tourism and, and help Surprise become kind of an actual destination. And so one of the best things for our city is that spring training will bring visitors who may not have even heard of Surprise. Um, they'll come out for a baseball, and then they'll fall in love with it, and they'll stay a couple extra days or They'll make it kind of one of their annual trips each year. So that's great for our city and nearby cities. Um, and, and we get really excited about, you know, helping them learn about all of the things to do in Surprise and in the region. Um, so we've actually even started a new website, um, explorersurprise.com, that can can help visitors come and see where to stay, where to eat, what they can do while they're here, kind of the attractions to visit. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the, the really exciting things about that and having a facility like we do. So we have, you know, a beautiful stadium of 12 practice fields. We host a lot of tournaments throughout the year. Um, so we have a lot of different groups come out um, even in the summer and play. And so that, that brings our tourism here as well. Um, but we also have a, an entire recreation campus. So we have 25 tennis courts. We have 16 pickleball courts. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're really excited for that tourism piece and kind of extending that baseball year round. Yeah, absolutely. So just give us an idea. What's, what's your favorite thing to do around surprise? Uh, you know, if someone is going to go out there, go to some spring training games, catch practice during the day, and then they have the evening free, what is a, uh, what's the best night in surprise Arizona look like? So for an evening, um, we have some really good restaurants here in Surprise. We have a French restaurant called Vogue. Um, we have State 48, which is a local brewery. Um, so that's a really good time, and you just get kind of a little bit of local local flavor here. Um, if you're here during the day, um, we are um, we have the White Tank Mountains, which are just gorgeous. If you want to go hike or bike or camp, um, Lake Pleasant is only about 20 minutes away. We have a world wildlife zoo that's just about 15 minutes away so um you know obviously when people come out to arizona for the spring the weather is the nice thing and so anything you can do outside is is really fun and enjoyable yeah i can speak to that it's 40 degrees and drizzly right now in dallas so i would certainly prefer <laughs> uh whatever is happening today in surprise arizona i would guarantee is probably better than what we're dealing with here kendra pettis you are the sports and tourism director for the city of surprise arizona thank you so much for joining me here for the market scale sports and entertainment podcast today you're welcome thank you for having me we appreciate it Thank you to Kendra for joining the podcast today. I appreciated that look at spring training, and I don't think I had any idea that that many people traveled every year to spring training out in Surprise, Arizona, as well as other places around Arizona and, and Florida as well, I guess. So I had no idea that it was that big, and so it totally makes sense that it has such a huge impact on the local economies in those areas. Uh, really, really interesting insight from Kendra there, so I appreciate her joining the podcast today very much. 
All right, coming up is my interview with Mary Beth Hall. She is the CEO of Brown Pelican Wi-Fi, and we're going to talk about providing Wi-Fi out at Daytona International Speedway, one of the most famous racetracks in the entire world. She was out there helping provide Wi-Fi for one of the trucks in the truck series race that took place on Friday before the Daytona 500. Really fascinating stuff that they're doing and enabling connectivity at places like this, at stadiums, at raceways. Uh, it's something that I think we're going to see more of in the future, and it's something we touch on at the end of this interview. So I think it's going to be really informative, really exciting, and also help inform the future of the stadium-going experience. So that is coming up next on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. Joining me now here on the podcast is Mary Beth Hall. She is the CEO of Brown Pelican Wi-Fi. Hello, Mary Beth. How are you doing today? Hi, Tyler. I'm doing really well. Thanks. Excellent. Well, hey, it's really good to talk to you again. And today we're following up on our conversation from last week with Brown Pelican uh, because last week they were getting ready to go out and provide some Wi-Fi out at Daytona International Speedway for Brennan Poole's number 30 truck. Uh, that must have been just an absolutely incredible experience going out to one of the most famous racetracks in the world. Mary Beth, just what was the experience like? How was it? Was it just sensory overload all over the place? <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. It, it was sensory overload. Uh uh, this was my first NASCAR experience and, you know, nothing like starting with the Super Bowl of a sport to get your first, to get your feet wet because I'm totally spoiled. Like I never want to go to a race without being in this VIP stand, uh, standard that we were in. But, you know, because of what we were doing, we pretty much had access to everything, including you know, being behind the scenes with the teams for the truck series in their garage Mm -hmm. um, we were also able to go into the pits right before the race, and we were also able to go out onto the track for the driver send-off, basically, and that was really phenomenal. It was a great experience. Boy, that's in, that's just absolutely incredible. Is it as loud as I perceive that it would be, being in a place like oh, that? my gosh, <laughs> is it loud. Yeah. You know, we sat in the stands to watch the truck race, and we were you know, pretty close. We weren't, we weren't very high up, but when those trucks all come around the track at the same time, it's ear splitting. I can see why people wear your, you know, uh, earphones or yeah, headphones yeah. because it's loud. It's super loud. Yeah. Well, where, where does this rank in terms of maybe most famous places that Brown Pelican has been, um, and, and kind of gotten to do some work there? Where does this rank maybe for you in terms of most famous or, or favorite places? It's way up there, Tyler. As a matter of fact, I, I'd say it's probably the second most exciting place I've ever been with a Wi-Fi network. The first and my favorite all time is Alcatraz because we installed the first public and only public Wi-Fi on Alcatraz a few years ago. That was an experience. That's incredible. I was actually there, oh man, not that long ago, maybe a couple of years ago. So I'm sure I actually, I got to experience some Wi-Fi provided by Brown yeah. So There we go. There we go. That's uh, that. That really is incredible, and um, just what a place to visit, Alcatraz. That's uh, that's really really awesome. Just being right there in San Francisco, which is uh, pretty close to where you're located. Is that right? It yeah. is. It is. Our our headquarters is actually in Sausalito, right across the bay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, how did how did a race team and how did a race track present uh, a, a unique challenge? Maybe one that you haven't experienced before. You guys have been all over the place. And last time on the last episode, we talked about providing Wi-Fi for events out in the desert or on a mountainside. Uh, what did, what was a racetrack like, and how how did that present maybe a, a unique challenge that you haven't seen before? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, this this particular track has a pretty pretty decent Wi-Fi infrastructure in in certain locations. The team area though was an was a pl- the truck team area was a place that didn't have very robust coverage at all. So everyone was either bringing a MiFi device and trying to do their own thing. Um, what we were able to do, and one of the challenges that we overcame was using point to point antennas, we were able to pull the signal, the, the internet signal basically from a, a truck, you know, half a quarter of a mile away and place an antenna on top of, of that truck and by truck, I mean the tractor trailers. They're called haulers mm-hmm. that the teams use for, you know, when they when the when the cars aren't on the track, they're in the garages, and that's where they're working on the cars to prep them or the trucks to prep them for the race. So we actually ran a point-to-point shot from a hauler, you know, like I said, about a quarter of a mile away to the roof of Brennan Poole's hauler. That's how we were able to get a, uh, an internet connection, mm-hmm. and then we used access points and a router and a switch um, and a controller to distribute the Wi-Fi for, for Brennan's team in his area. So that was an interesting challenge to overcome, uh, similar to the things that we've done in outdoor locations and kind of off the grid type locations. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to, I guess, use a little bit of the experience from um, other, uh, I guess, other events and that sort of thing, and provide it into this context is certainly something that is, uh, is, is, I guess, an ability that impresses me. You know, just understanding how this works and how you can use experience from one event and, and bring it into another one uh, is certainly something that is uh, that's really awesome to see. Now, you, you didn't, you were there also demoing um, some other products as well alongside. Uh, providing Wi-Fi for Brennan Poole's um, team, right? Wasn't there a, a fan experience or something like that that also had Wi-Fi that you were working with? We didn't work directly with the fan experience. Okay. We were demonstrating Wi-Fi, basically Wi-Fi-enabled marketing. That's right, that's right. Potential mm-hmm. sponsors, and that was interesting. We, we had the opportunity to speak with a, a few really great high-profile brands that are interested in bringing a Wi-Fi network to racetracks specifically for, you know, for NASCAR races. Uh, so one of the things that we were demonstrating that they loved is the idea of data capture and analytics around who's using the network so that if, you know, if a brand wants to, to do remarketing post event, they've got really rich data that they can use to direct their marketing efforts. So ROI becomes a big factor and being able to communicate with their audience post event is, is a big deal. And uh, again, we, we talked to some pretty interesting, I can't like, I can't tell you because it's sort of like NDA, (laughs) but (laughs) it's always like that in this business, right? right? right. Um, It's all top secret. But yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. We we garnered a lot of interest. We have lots of follow up meetings that we're scheduling right now to keep this going throughout the race season. Yeah, that's really exciting because the race season is a long one um, and one that has a very short off season, if I remember correctly. Um, but just in, in your experience and in being there and being able to provide Wi-Fi for that Brennan Pool truck um, there for the Friday night race, do you feel like what what you're able to do at Brown Pelican, you're able to offer a competitive advantage to, to teams that utilize Wi-Fi in this way? Yeah, and I think, Tyler, because of 
we talked about this earlier, the experiences that we've had in these weird locations were so nimble and so flexible. And that's really our competitive advantage. We operate kind of on the I don't want to say the bleeding edge, but certainly the cutting edge, leading edge, whatever, you know, however, whatever term you want to use. We're always looking for new, new opportunities to try new technology. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is giving us the advantage in these kind of situations. We can use all that experience with some of these amazing places that we've worked and take it and apply it to a situation like a NASCAR race. Um, and, and the thing that's really interesting, too, is. You know, you, we think about, okay, let's make the entire track have a great Wi-Fi network. And that's ideal and, and that's aspirational and that's eventually what we want to mm-hmm. do. But in the meantime, what's really cool about it is we can just bring in to a specific location like we did for Brennan's team. Then we can kind of spider out from that location and start spreading out to other areas within the same basic geographic area. So now we've created a net, let's say, a big net that, you know, kind of catches everybody's knees within a certain a certain footprint. Mm-hmm. Or we can do multiple versions of that throughout the the track. Or we can take it all the way to the highest level, which is let's put a Wi-Fi network in that supports the entire track. We're right now in those early stage conversations. So, you know, we're not there yet, but we're definitely garnering a lot of interest in these smaller sort of uh, bubbles that we can create for different uses. Yeah. And just as you're saying that, I'm imagining a day where an entire stadium or an entire racetrack is able to be, you know, kind of connected together. And that would definitely be an exciting thing because I remember, uh, you know, growing up and going to sporting events or uh, just even in the last few years trying to, you know, use a phone to post a picture at a, uh, you know, at, at any sporting event. And it's just always been a struggle, right? Because, uh, you know, networks get overwhelmed when there are that many people there. But in the future, as we see this going, and as you mentioned, creating those bubbles, I think that you could see a day where there is a, connected stadium and you're able to easily post pictures. And I think obviously teams and brands would love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, as, as Wi-Fi technology and cellular technology get kind of closer and closer Mm -hmm. as you know, 5g is going to be, it's going to be a big, a big benefit to consumers, especially to end users, because it's going to allow me and you to get a better experience just by nature of having cell connectivity. However, it'll still have its limits. And in a very high density environment, I mean, there's a hundred thousand seats at Daytona. So when you put a hundred thousand people in a stadium, regardless of how, you know, what cellular network they're on, there's always the opportunity for disruption for, you know, signal degrading with Wi-Fi, we can kind of fill in the gaps and support a better user experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're and that's what I was saying before about the nature of Brown Pelican is we're, we're on that edge where we're looking at how to utilize the best of everything. We're a Samsung partner. We use Samsung wireless equipment and Samsung, of course, because of their infrastructure around mobile devices is really focused on building technologies that are going to start to let the best of all options for connectivity work together seamlessly. 
So you're going to see a lot of changes coming up in the next couple of years with the, you know, with 5G launching and when it's ubiquitous and we're all on it, we're going to look at, we're going to be seeing how we can, we can merge the cellular technology with Wi-Fi and get a really incredible experience. Well, that's exciting. And I'm also looking forward to just uh, following where Brown Pelican goes and uh, what interesting locations you're at next, you know, first Daytona and then, uh, then who knows what's up. Yeah, we'll go into space next time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really the only way you can beat, you know, going to Daytona. So, uh, you know, space space sounds pretty good next for a next uh, a way to top Daytona. But, hey, right. <laughs> that sounds pretty incredible. Well, hey, Mary Beth Hall, CEO of Brown Pelican Wi-Fi, thank you so much for joining us here on the Market Scale Podcast. Thank you, Tyler, as always. Appreciate it. Thank you again to Mary Beth Hall for joining us for another segment on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast, just explaining a little bit more about how it works providing Wi-Fi out at Daytona International Speedway. I thought that was a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well. That is all we have time for on this week's episode of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. We do appreciate you listening very, very much. We'll be back soon, of course, with another episode of the podcast. But until then, you can always go check out the sports and entertainment industry page there on the Market Scale website. We are constantly updating it with new written content covering trends in the industry as well as videos. You can check out our video with the athletic director for the University of North Texas, Ren Baker. We have another one of those coming out soon with another athletic director here in the North Texas area. You'll have to wait to see who that is and when that is going to come out. That's coming out soon, though, so just stay tuned. Um, But all of that is there on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Industry page, so make sure you go check that out there. Like I mentioned, we'll be back soon with another episode of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.